Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. It's October. There's basketball, baseball, hockey, NFL, and college football. You need SeatGeek. Drop your old ticket app. Use one bill for 2016. Buy tickets and enter stadiums on your phone. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by The Tim Ferriss Show, selected as one of iTunes' best of 2015 podcasts. Tim deconstructs world-class performers from every walk of life to find the tools, tactics, and routines you can use. For a great place to catch up, listen to the Schwarzenegger episode where Arnold discusses the art of psychological warfare and never-told-before movie stories. Visit 4hourworkweek.com slash Arnold for more. I know Tim Ferriss. I want to be in that show. Don't forget about my new HBO show, Any Given Wednesday, 10 p.m. every Wednesday. We're back on October 19th with a brand new show. Don't forget about TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast. And the last Keeping It 1600 live pregame, postgame show will be after next week's debate. Don't forget this Saturday night, October 15th, Boston, Massachusetts, my old hometown. Jimmy Kimmel and I are doing the live show. At the Schubert Theater, all proceeds will benefit Harvard Scholars at Risk, an incredible program that saves lives. We wanted to help raise money and awareness for them. There are still a few tickets available. Go to citycenter.org, C-I-T-I-Center.org, or call 866-348-9738. And if you're a student in the Boston area or in the extended Boston area, that includes you, Holy Cross. Tickets are only $24. You can buy two per student. Go check it out on the website. What a bargain. All right. Mike Lombardi, Joe House, coming up. Let's do it. Yeah. Clear enough for you. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. On the line from FS1 and Fox, you can see him this Sunday on the 11 p.m. I'm sorry, the 11 a.m. Uh, Fox NFL Sunday show. Mike Lombardi, how are you? Great. You'd never see me on the 11 p.m. show. I'd be out like a light. <laughs> You'd be asleep. It would just be you with, <laughs> with a napkin on you. Uh, we are taping this on a Thursday, so we don't know what happened tonight in the Broncos-Chargers game. But we, we, we can guess that if, if the Chargers don't win, I don't think it's going to be good for Mike McCoy, right? I would suspect so. I, I mean, look, the Chargers are the best 55-minute team in football. I mean, yeah. they are really good. They throw the ball down the field. They lose receivers. I think Travis Benjamin is one of the best unknown receivers in terms of, you know, what he gets behind the defense all the time. He could take a five-yard out and turn it into a 50-yard play, but they can't close out games. Now, maybe with Bosa playing a full game, they can pre- perhaps play better. I thought Bosa was good last week. I think Melvin Ingram is one of the best unknown defensive rushers in the league, but they can't finish games. Their secondary is atrocious. So the Patriots, Brady came back. They unleashed a two-tight end offense last week, which was a dream come true for me with Bennett on one side and Gronk on the other a lot of the time. And uh, it looks effectively unstoppable. I don't know how long these guys can stay healthy. I think when Deion Lewis comes back, that's going to even add another thing to it. But... How do you think defenses are going to attack this offense? Well, I think the way they handle it is unique. First of all, if you try to play your sub-defense against it, it, they've got to be able to run the ball, which they've proven they could. And then when you want to say, I'm going to double Gronk, and I don't know if you do this in Madden or not, but what, what McDaniels does is he takes the tight ends and puts them outside, and he puts the two receivers inside. 
Yeah. So if you want to double Gronk, it's really almost impossible because now you're going to run your linebacker and your safety out there. The box becomes very light. If you want to play zone and you just want to put your corner out there, then you're giving it to Brady. He knows what he's in. He knows where he's throwing the ball. So by that formation, it becomes very difficult. That's why the best offenses, whether it's in basketball or football, don't have to substitute and can run a multitude of offense. When the Bulls had Pippen, he played power forward, he played point guard, he played three. Jordan moved around. You kept trying to substitute the match to him. It couldn't happen. This is what happened when they had Hernandez and they had Gronk. Now they have Bennett and they have Gronk. It becomes very difficult. And if you can run the ball like they didn't do against Cleveland, but typically they had been doing in the season, it becomes more than more than enough for any defense to handle. And her, and Hernandez couldn't block like Bennett does. I don't know how you really stop it, especially maybe James White is a lot better this year, but I've never seen him run the football like he did in that Browns game where he, you know, he he really looked great. But I think part of it had to do with the fact that they were so worried about the people that the Pats had on the field, it made it a lot easier. Don't you think when uh, as this evolves and as this goes, I do feel like they didn't want to show that much to the Browns in the Browns game with the games they have coming up. But don't you think they're going to go no huddle with those two tight ends in the field? And how do you sub? Like, what do you do if you're the defense? You're just going to be on well, your heels the whole get, time. If they get if they get the Bengals locked into what they want, then they will, then they'll go. It all depends on what you get them locked into. If you have them in nickel and you want to lock them in the nickel then you're just going to play tempo. If you have them in base and you want to go with it, see what I think they're going to end up doing is they'll end up going to a 13 personnel game. They'll put Derby in or they'll put Scruggs in. They'll use, they have four tight ends on their team. So they'll bring another tight end in. And now do you want to play base to the, you want to play nickel to that? And then they're going to make Gronk a wide receiver. Yeah. Ideally, what I think would be if I was played Madden with them, I would put I wouldn't have a running back on the field. I would put the I would put the three tight ends, one receiver, and I'd make Edelman in the backfield. Oh wow! And then you would create all sorts of problems with it because you you couldn't really match it, and Edelman could run enough that like they did with Hernandez when he was in the backfield. So I think there's so many ways you can go, and that's why that is why tight ends are like knights in the chessboard because they're so versatile in what they can do and they can attack from so many different places that when you have really good night play in chess, you're a dominant chess player. When you have really good tight ends in football, you can be a dominant offense, and I think that's what it is. And I think when you're talking about James James White, he's like that Fred Flintstone. You know when Fred Flintstone used to get in a car and he had to run his feet like five times before the car would get going? Yeah. Well, that's James White. <laughs> I mean, James White needs a clear path to get going. You know, yeah. He's a Fred Flintstone runner. And so he can't really go. And so when he gets a clear path, wow, James White looks like a good player. You know, but when he has to kind of stop it, he's not. And that's what happens. But when Dion comes back, that's going to open up a whole new world. Dion kills it. Dion is checkmate for all of them. Because if you want to play nickel, Dion will, six people, mitts, beep, beep, it's Roadrunner. Yeah. Everybody misses and he goes for five yards. And if, if not, he can catch the ball in the backfield. And then you could take Edelman and put him in the backfield and put Dion out. And see, everything that the Patriots do, it's to get to the adjustments of the defense. That's what the essence of their offense is. What is their offense? We want you to adjust your defense. And once we know what your adjustments are, we have you in checkmate. The the Bengals last week, I was dead wrong. I thought they were going to beat the Cowboys. I couldn't have been more wrong. Obviously, a make-or-break week for them. But we see this happen sometimes with playoff teams, and we just write them in for the next year. Is this team just done? What's going on? I, well, they can't. You know, they can't protect. 
you know, Dalton's the classic 2020. They're bad now. This is a game where two bads are going to meet, and who's going to win? The Patriots are horrible in red zone defense, and the Bengals are horrible in the red zone offense. So something's going to give here. But I think without having Marvin Jones, I think he was the guy that really hurt him the most. I mean, he was you could see what he's doing in Detroit. He's a big play receiver, making plays down the field. They don't have that element of their of their offense, and then they can't really run the ball. I think their offensive line play has been poor this year. They're getting they've given up 17 sacks. Dalton's gotten hit too much. They can't run the ball. Jeremy Hill might be out this week. Bernard's a nice change of pace runner. He's not Fred Flintstone runner, but he's a really good runner in terms of he can make you miss right away. And I think that when when you see this happen, I think that. Their offense just has too many areas. And then the most critical component of what they can't do is if you make them what the Cowboys did on Sunday, if you make them check the ball down and throw the ball in front, they can't put together eight really good plays. They're horrible on third down. And if they have one negative play in the drive, if it's a holding call or a false start, and they're in second and 15, they can't overcome it. And that's how they've gotten beat. Pittsburgh's done it to them. Dallas copied the Pittsburgh game plan and did it exactly to them. And I think that's what New England's going to do. New England's going to say, hey, you want check downs? You got it. We're not giving up. A, you know, A.J. Green, the minute he walks on the Foxborough property, he has two arm guards around him. He's never going to do, make a play, and we're going to go from there. That's basically what they did to Houston. Go ahead. Put together your 15-play drives. Be our guest. That's right. Well, with Houston, it made it. You know, Houston, they knew that if you, if you played cover two to Houston, Houston was going to run the ball no matter what you had. That's why it went third and, third and six and – you showed cover two shell, they're going to run the ball. If you play one, you play single high safety, they're going to try to throw the ball out to the numbers. And when you can reduce the offense by what you do on defense, then the defense has the advantage, just like we talked about with New England's offense. When you force them to do everything on defense, they can't do anything. Just quickly, since his offensive line was really good last year, what happened? You know, it just it seems like they, they have a lot of missing pieces going. They're not playing with great continuity, and they're not playing with the same level of I would say physicality that they have. Now, you know, it's funny. Pittsburgh's talking about how physical their practice were. Yeah. That Ben and, and, and Ben's complaining, but it's really benefited their team. They're one of the best tackling teams in football on defense. They break tackles on offense. I think that has something to do with them. But I, I, what happens with Cincinnati is when you're a good team, you think, well, if we just keep everybody healthy, we'll be okay. And then you don't practice enough football. Their pad level's too high on offense. They can't knock anybody off the ball. And I, and I think it's really been a problem for them. And I, and I think that's that has showed up against defenses that I wouldn't say are the best defenses in football. Do you believe in the Falcons yet? You know, I think offensively I, I definitely believe in the Falcons, but defensively I, I, I'm not going to be sold on the fact that they had a play, they played against a backup right tackle and a rookie quarterback that looked like a rookie. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be on that. I, I think they're going to have to prove to me that they can play toe-to-toe with a really good team like Seattle. Now, this is a challenge on the road. I mean, do they expect them to win? No, but I think we'll learn really more about their defense this week on the road in Seattle. If they play competitive, win, lose, or draw, if they play competitive against Seattle's offense, not that I think they're great, but I think Seattle with a week off rested, then I'd say, okay, look, Atlanta's the team to beat. I think they could, they're not going to be like they were last year and fall apart. But when I look at them on off on defense, I see they're playing some rookies. I think there's some liabilities within their scheme in terms of things you can get on them. I'm not, I'm not sold on Vic Beasley just because he got sacks against the backup right tackle last week. So he's going to have to prove it to me against good players. So, 
you know, I, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. But what they're doing offensively, I think, is outstanding. I think it's one of the best things in the league. They're throwing it down the field. They're making plays. And they're forcing you to have to defend the whole field. Boy, the Italians are stubborn. I'm half Italian, so somehow I'm, I'm 100% stubborn, but only half Italian. But you're just, you're not going to buy the Falcons. You're just, it's not, you're just not, you're not going to get talked not into yet. them. No, I, I think they're going to have to prove, I mean, look, I, I'm not buying the Raiders either. I think the Raiders are the Tennessee, uh, the te- college team Tennessee. I think they're the Tennessee of the NFL. Wow. I mean, you can't keep going with this dynamic that the Raiders have and win. You can't do it. You lead the league in penalties. You have more unforced errors than any team in the league. You give up way too many big plays, and somehow, some way, you stumble onto some wins. And I'm just going to tell you, it's like when I was a fat kid in New Jersey, when Larry Bird was hot in the first half, I was happy. When he was cold in the first half, I was mad because eventually the numbers are going to seek to where they are. And so those numbers are going to come back on what happens with, with, the, with, the, with their defense. I mean, the Raiders cannot sustain this dynamic. They can't. They turn the ball over. They make mistakes on the unforced errors. They can't do it. And they also and they they can't plays. protect leads. They can't protect leads. And they're gonna, when they play against, like, I think this week against a good, well-coached team, you know, the Woody Hayes offense of uh, three first, three plays to get your first down, I think there's no question that this this is the kind of game that the Raiders don't win because there's just not enough attention to detail on how they play. So my favorite things that I've seen this season, Vikings defense, Falcons offense, Cowboys run game, Raiders offense. I mean, they could add 50 points last week if their receivers could stay in bounds. The Seahawks defense, I think, has been way better than I thought. And the Pats offense. What else would you put? Potential for the Pats offense. Yeah, well, you could see it in that first half. I, I think they eased the, they took the foot off the gas pedal when they realized they had the game won. But I, I think in that second quarter, I think there was a point where they could have gone for 60 if they wanted it. But um, what else would you put on that list of just the things that have jumped out at you in a really good way? Well, you know, I think Dallas is, you know, everybody talking about how good Dallas is. on Dallas is the best team on third down, but they're also the best CFL team in the league. So they get first downs and two downs. Yeah, think about that, Bill. They have a rookie quarterback, and they get—they're the best third down team, and they're the best CFL team. That's hard to do. Yeah, like that's really hard to do. And I think their game plans and the way they attack their opponent, especially without Des Bryant. I mean, they don't have Des Bryant in the game. And I think Pittsburgh's sneaky defensive team that's getting better each week. The way they play defense, they're really good in the red zone. They improve in that area. And I think they're kind of sneaky good, and I think they're fun to watch. I think Pittsburgh's a fun-to-watch team because if Pittsburgh doesn't have a letdown like they did in Philadelphia, I think Pittsburgh has the complete team to be challenged everyone. And somehow they've found more receivers. Sammy Coates, just, Eli they, Rogers will come back. I'm sure he'll be good for them. They just they, they grow them in Pittsburgh practically. It used to be when Carolina had, had, had a bunch of receivers down there and teams would take their receivers off there and they would take them somewhere else and they wouldn't be as good. Yeah. It just somehow the way they coach them. I think Richard Mann does a great job in Pittsburgh on coaching them. And I think they, Kevin Colbert does a tremendous job of picking them and they're patient with them and they develop them. And I think the one thing they do, like you don't see Coates running routes that Coates can't run. Yeah. That's the thing that drives me crazy about receivers is certain receivers can run certain routes. They can't run them all. You know, and so you like you don't let a three-point shooter drive to the rim. Let him shoot threes. You know, and so if you got coats, let him run vertical. And this is what's happened to to 
the Jets' offense. We talked about this in another podcast. They have no depth at receiver, so now they lose Decker, and they don't have anybody to replace the Decker role, and they have nowhere else to pick it up, and it becomes a problem. If Belichick was the coach of Dallas and Romo told him a week from now, I'm ready to come back, what would Belichick do? Probably see if there's a trade availability. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know we know I mean, they can't trade him because it would – it actually makes more sense for them just to pay him to be their backup than it would to trade to trade him yeah, or release I mean, they're him because of the get contract. Anything for a guy who hasn't proven he's healthy. I mean, Sal would be the only person that would give up two number ones for Romo. He would do it right he now. Would run on another team. Yeah, he, he would, would do, do it today. Right now. But, contra- but think- contractually, though, they it's would cost them almost as much to just keep them as it right. would but they would get away from the future years and and all that, and that would become and that would certainly help them. I mean, right now he's. Right now, he's one of their their highest paid players on the cap, and and they're not getting anything out of him. And at some point, you've got to ask yourself the question. I think if he came back, I really think if if Bill were, I mean, they'd lose eleven million dollars. They'd have to designate him a post cap one, a post cap one salary cap. And he's Ooh. on the cap right now for twenty million dollars. Their two best players, Romo and Des Bryant, aren't even playing. That's thirty million of this year's cap they're eating up. It's amazingly Actually, similar. Thirty three million of their cap. It's amazingly similar to the O.M. Pats because it really is. the O.M. Pats, they had just gave him Bledsoe a giant contract and they had Terry Glenn. Right. And, and, and next year, and next year, their cap numbers are they add up to there's 24 cap number for for Romo and 17 for Dez. Can you, so, you know, do the do the math? I mean, at some point you're going to have to now a Romo. I think if Romo thought he was going to get traded or something was going to happen, he would probably say to himself, look, you know, I'd rather go do television. But the, to me, if you, the question you asked me, what would Belichick do? I think he'd keep playing. No, I wouldn't. I'd scratch think. I know he would keep playing Prescott because he wouldn't be sure that durability was still in play for Tony Romo. He would be concerned about Romo going out there and getting hurt again. Right. And like, I he, think he would not be all chips in the center of the table because the guy has played four games in the last two years. Nobody has any evidence, including Sal, that he could stay healthy. Yeah, I think the best case for this, and Dallas's best out in the whole scenario, is to just say it's too risky to bring him back, derail the momentum they have, and then Romo gets hurt again. And you can do the whole thing where you go, you know, we, Tony's ready to play, and he's ready in an emergency to play, but we're not going to think about starting him again until he's 100% healthy. And then you just never define what 100% healthy is. You can be like, oh, he's exactly 98% healthy. Yeah, you're not ready yet. And just you drag now, him Not along. that Jason Garrett will do this, but he should go to the press conference and say, look, you know, until Tony looks at practice, and we, you know, we're going to have to beat him up a little bit in practice and hit him. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. You're not just going to put him out there with live bullets and say, go ahead, Tony, have a nice day. I think there's got to be a plan for it. And I think that's the way the question should be asked for Jerry, not who's going to be the starter. Sometimes we ask the wrong question. We make it easy for people to give us a vague answer. Like, be specific and say, Jerry, what's the plan for Tony? How are you going to practice him when he comes back? And now he's got to answer being the head coach, general manager, and king of all the Cowboys situations. He's got to answer the question directly. The slappiest coaching performances that we've seen this season, the Giants, the Rams, I'm on the, a giant tam, tam. Wait, hold on, tam, hold on. I know, no, I'm, I'm setting you up for it. Giants, Rams, Texans. I think Bill O'Brien's been particularly awful in some of these games. The Lions, yeah. the Dolphins. Not totally Adam Gase's fault, but it is what it is. 
and I would throw the Bengals in there just for the talent they have. Uh, I think the Giants has been the most shocking to me. Okay, go. Well, I think that McAdoo is, I think he's in a situation where everybody thought he was going to be good on offense, but he, he can't, you can't do what he's doing and looking at the, at the Fred Palermo menu there and think he's going to be able to see the game. Wait, I we got to do that. Hold on. It's been four years since, since the Fred Palermo menu. you got to explain that right, one. It's so one of my favorites. you go to any restaurant in the world that has, like, okay, you go to Cheesecake Factory, and I'm sure they cook a lot of things on Cheesecake Factory menu really well. Yeah. This is my Uncle Fred's theory. So, you're, But it's potluck whether you're going to get a good meal. But if you go to the French Laundry, they have a six things on there. You're getting a great meal no matter what you order. Yep. And so when you run an offense, you've got to know what you're going to run. The, the Giants are 26th in the NFL in rushes and completions. Now, you know what that oh, no. means? <laughs> the dog got <laughs> Now, you know what the rush, when you, rushes and completions are, Bella, rushes and completions are, you add the rushing attempts and the completions together. You have to be over 52 to be a good team. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. That's an, for for a personnel guy. Now you have to understand when you're when you're in an NFL team, when you're running an NFL team, or you're running an NBA team, you're a veterinarian. The patient doesn't talk to you, so you have to use indicators to tell you how you what's your execution like. What are you doing well? What's not well? Rushes and completions are the first thing. It's like taking the blood pressure of a patient. Yeah. You go to rushes and completions. You see the Giants are in the bottom half of the league in rushes and completions. Their execution is horrible. Okay? Why is your execution horrible? Because you're cooking too many things. You have too much stuff on the stove. You can't cook anything good. Okay? Meanwhile, your defense can't execute either. It has too much on its menu. It's bad. The Giants are bad on offense and rushes and completions. They're bad on defense. You talked about Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase is learning how to be a head coach. I think he's, he's going to be a year away from ever doing it. Why? His team's last in rushes and completions on offense. His team is second to last on defense. Their execution is horrible. When you ask me the question, why would, why is football not as good now as it's been over the years, I would say we have too many inexperienced guys who are head coaches. It's yeah. affecting the product because they don't know how to set up the game plan or how to set up a team like Belichick does, like Pete Carroll does, like Mike Zimmer does, how to set up a team to prepare for the fight. Remember, a football team is like a boxer. You've got to prepare with sparring rounds before you go execute and play. If you don't do that, you have low rushes and completions. You have poor rushes and completions against you. And to me, I think that's what we're seeing. And McAdoo, forget him not challenging the play on Sunday. Forget him calling a timeout. Forget him being stubborn in the press conference. Forget that Eli Manning's playing horrible. Forget that Odell Beckham's been out of control. All those things... When he watches his team, his team's not running effectively. Yeah. I, I loved you got mad at him on Twitter because the camera kept cutting to him and he's looking down at his cheese, Cheesecake Factory menu trying to figure out, uh, Eli, run 102.5 slash B384. And it's just like, <laughs> hey, here's what I did. Just tell Odell Beckham to get open. Eli, Watch just throw it to the left side. Yeah. Do you realize what he did now? NBC did a horrible job of covering it, okay? They did a bad job. I don't know how you felt about it, but they never showed you the replay. That, For example, when he th- it's second and 13, he throws the check down to Starks, yeah. okay? Starks doesn't catch the ball. 
We think he does, but he doesn't really. It goes into a pileup. McAdoo says, well, there's a tough scramble. We just didn't get it. No, Ben. No. No. If you would have been awarded the ball, it would have been the best thing that ever happened to you. You know why? McCarthy would have challenged it. Yeah. It would have been a turnover. He wouldn't have had to challenge it. But McCarthy would have challenged it, and then McCarthy would have, not, would have gotten the ball back. And you know what would have happened? The ball it would have been an incomplete pass, and you would have kept that timeout in your pocket. Yeah. But no, you had it. See, it's what it, Bill. It's it's what you call false duality. False dualities are this: you think you have a decision between A and B, when really the decision is between A, B, and C. And these inexperienced head coaches can't see the C. They can't figure out if McAdoo throws his challenge flag at that play. He accomplishes exactly what he set out to do by calling the timeout. However, he would have been able to get the ball back to call the timeout, keep his, keep his timeout, and have the ball make it third and 13 and give his team a chance to win. But the sad part of this whole story is he does no idea what he did wrong. Right. You can't learn to win until you figure out how you lost. Why doesn't... You know, in basketball, you see this. The young coaches get, like, the veteran guy who's been there, who's coached a few teams. He's, like, kind of the lead senior assistant. Football teams don't seem like they really do that. Like, couldn't Tom Coughlin – obviously, it wouldn't be McAdoo to help, but couldn't Tom Coughlin mentor somebody like Dirk Cutter in Tampa or Adam Gase and just kind of be the senior figure in in their lives? Or is that too wacky? You would think. That's what you'd want. But what happens is because this is the entertainment business and everybody's scared if somebody's taking your job, yeah. you know, you, you make sure you hire the least possible way. And, and that's what happens. I mean, McAdoo here is he, he's doing a job as a coordinator. It's the Peter principle. He's doing the job as a coordinator. So we're going to make him the head coach. And what happens now? The offense is horrible. And we're getting, I mean, really, after five games, if you're John Mara and you're Jerry Reese, have you really improved over Tom Coughlin? No. The whole thing I mean, worked out really sadly. I miss Tom Coughlin. I miss his face turning bright red during during night games. I miss uh, his weird management of the two-minute drill. I mean, I think people, you know, he didn't do a good job the last couple of years, let's be honest. But he's certainly more competent than at least seven of the coaches that we're watching right now. Well, Matt, I mean, Mike Shanahan, I see him on that commercial doing tickets, and I'm thinking, how is he not on the sideline? I know, you know, he hasn't, you know, Washington, he went to the playoffs with RG3. Yeah. Not many people have gone to the playoffs with RG3 since. Um, you know, and I think there's some issues, but there, you experience matters, and I think that's what we learned from Bruce Arians, and that's what we learned from Mike Zimmer. Quickly, shockingly bad things that have jumped out to you so far, like the Jets, the Jet, the fact that the Jets don't have a pass rush with all the guys they have, or the Giants' offense. Yeah, or Ryan I mean, Tannehill. when you go through like Ryan Tannehill's unbelievable. He's due, Bill. He's due to make twenty million dollars. He's on the cap for twenty million next year. Or the Colts' yeah, offensive, so at, the Colts' offensive line. Do you, what, anything else you put on this list of just you're watching? You're going, oh my god, I can't believe this. Well, I think New Orleans thinking that they could ever be good in defense. I think San Francisco not really addressing the quarterback problem. Like, yeah. I know they're going to play Kaepernick now, but if you're there in the offseason and you're saying to yourself, like, we need a quarterback, like, where, where is it? Where's it coming from? I think that's a real issue. Uh, you know, when I look at Miami and I, Tannehill, I know he defended Tannehill. That's another mistake. He goes to his press conference and says, uh, he's my starter forever. So the other 45 guys say to themselves, well, we could play like crap, and we could play, and we'll start too. <laughs> I mean, I the, one that. That looks the, most, the one who looks good is, is Mika 
Prime. She's the one who said he couldn't lead, and he's up in Tampa now. I mean, she looks like a prophet in this whole thing. Oh, but Brent I, Grimes' I that's wife. The yeah, yeah, I yeah. Gotcha. She, she looks like the prophet. But I would say that, that those are the surprising things. I think the other factor is, is if you know who you are, like Dallas does and Philadelphia does and Minnesota does, then you can play to your strengths and you become much better. By my power pole calculations, I have the Bills as the 10th best team. I know this aches your heart, but I don't see any other way around it. Do you believe in the Bills at all yet? I don't. I don't. I know they've played well the last three weeks, and their defense has, has given up under 20 points the last three weeks, and I think they, it's good. I think when they play the Patriots the next time, look, they got San Francisco. I don't know what to expect out of Kaepernick in this game, so I don't really have an idea. But, I mean, I, I think it's a nice story. I don't think it's a sustainable story in Buffalo. I really just don't. I think they, they lack some players. They lack talent on defense. Darius, but really but Darius coming they're back was good for them. Right, and I think Alexander's been a sensational player for them. I mean, he's really done a nice – he's played better than Mario Williams. Oh, he's in Miami, by the way, and they couldn't wait to pay him down there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do – I think it's a – but I think at the end of the day, if you don't have a real true passing game, which they don't in Buffalo, it's a big play thing. McCoy's great making people miss tackles. It's a lot of loose plays, and if you don't let them play their style, I don't think they can beat you. I'm going to recalibrate your thinking just a tiny bit, even though you know more about football than me. I think it's hard for you to accept mentally the fact that this limited Buffalo team that can basically just run the ball and do a little stuff defensively and the coaching is erratic and they get a lot of penalties, but the league is so bad right now that that might be enough to make the playoffs. They're just good enough at two or three things. Maybe that's all you need to be the 11th best team in the league. Yeah, I had that revelation this week when I was reading and doing research for the preparation, and, and, and you kept saying Tennessee on your podcast is going to win the South, and I'm thinking, how can they win the South? They're the, one of the worst teams I've seen on offense throwing the ball, <laughs> and it dawned on me, you know what, they're going to win the South. I mean, maybe they're going to win the South, you know? I, I think that's probably right. I've come to that. I mean, it's taken a while. I may have to go to Betty Ford to really grasp it, but I, I get it. I understand it. Well, we used to have tiers, right? And you'd have your top five, which we actually have still. And then you'd have, like, your next five that were kind of lurking, lingering, couldn't write them off as, like, Super Bowl teams yet. And then under that would be maybe four or five other teams that could easily go 10 and 6. And now we just don't right. have that last group. And it's just a bunch and, of crappy 7 and 9, 8 and 8 L.A. Rams type of teams. And there's 20 of them. I mean, I just was doing research on the Rams. I mean, they give up they, – they, they average under 10 yards of completion – and they average like three one a rush. How do you beat anybody with that offense? How do you do that? And they've yet they've they're three and two. How so, are the Titans? Look, I think a lot of it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about the head the jobs were given head coaches. There's not a there's look uh, become a head coach in the NFL is a harder job to get the United States Senator. There's only thirty two of those. <laughs> yeah. And yet there's not thirty two qualified guys to be head coaches. That's the problem. I mean, the Titans are favored by seven points this weekend, which tells you all you need to know about 2016 NFL. Mike Lombardi, a pleasure, as always. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday on the Fox 11 a.m. NFL show, and we'll, and we'll hear you next week on the BS Podcast. Thanks, Bill. All right, Bye -bye. thank you. Before we call house, if you've ever seen anything we did in my office for Facebook Live, you probably noticed how nice my posters look. Well, our friends at FrameBridge framed everything in there. They're the best. FrameBridge's experts custom frame your items in days, not weeks or months. They deliver your finished piece ready to hang. 
go to framebridge.com. You can da- upload digital photos, Instagram photos of any kind, whatever you want. Their designers will even help you pick the perfect frames. Of course, you can mail them to Framebridge as well. They even offer a happiness guarantee. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39. All shipping is free. I got to say the TLC they put in the framing and packaging is incredible. It's one of my favorite companies. Find out why InStyle called them a genius site. Go to framebridge.com. Use promo code BS. You save an additional 15% off your first order. I just sent them seven new posters, including an incredible Nirvana poster. Do your thing, Framebridge. Frame those things. Again, framebridge.com. Promo code BS. And since we're here, let's talk about a perfect mattress that's sold directly to consumers. Let's talk about an award-winning sleep surface developed in-house with a sleek design delivered in a small... How did they do that size box? Let's talk about Casper mattresses. They combine springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's just got the right sink and the right bounce. And its breathable design helps sleep cool to help you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Mattresses often cost over 1500 bucks. I mean, they're, they're one of the most overpriced things there are, but not a Casper. 500 for a twin size mattress, 850 for a queen, 950 for a king. They have a risk-free trial and return policy. They deliver it. You try it for 100 days. If you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. Find out why it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash BS and using code BS. Terms and conditions apply. Casper.com slash BS. All right, let's call Joe House. On the line, uh, America's worst gambler in 2016, Joe House. Um we, every every week we play the Callaway Par Three, where we pick three football games, and we keep score like it's golf. And House is somehow what are you now plus plus seven? You're plus seven. Plus seven. But look, I just came off the golf course. I'm here at the lovely Westwood Country Club in Vienna, Virginia, coming to you live, getting ready to go do a golf Calcutta. I'm changing the luck. Four and eleven so far this season. That is atrocious. But here's but I'm the ready thing: to change things up. Here's my rule with this stuff: you either want to be really good or really bad. Because if we're really bad, then people can just pick against us. So I I feel like this is a win for us. The fact that both of us are not doing that well. I think I'm plus. Yeah, I, I'm plus two or plus four. I can't even remember. I would tell folks, please. I implore you, go against me. If you would like to win, go against the picture you're about to hear. Well, we're taping this on a Thursday, and I think we're going to put it up on a Thursday. So it's a little Thursday night rolling, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna make the Thursday night uh, we're gonna do the Thursday night game as as part of the thing because I think I'm gonna pick it too. But why don't you tell them about the Callaway Irons first? You know what I'm gonna tell them about is the Callaway Chrome Soft Golf Ball this week. Oh, it's still the case that you can go on CallawayGolf.com and order anything that you like. And if you enter the promo code HOUSE, they will ship whatever you've ordered for free to you. That's for free. That's like me walking to your house and giving you money, which I probably should do in view of my terrible pick so far this season. Go online and order yourself a couple uh, dozen, the Chrome Soft, the ball that changed the ball, and get them sent to your house for free. Just enter in-house. Great. Now give the people a winner. Thursday night. Broncos minus three over the home team, the San Diego Chargers. Four 
and 11 I've been so far this season, but curiously enough, 5 and 0 on Thursday night. In in our picks poll, you are 5 and 0 on Thursday night, so I will give you that. 5 and 0 on Thursday nights. Bill Simmons has confirmed it. I have a Thursday night play. I am taking the Denver Broncos minus the 3 at San Diego. Uh, all season long, the reason I think I'm 5-0 is because uh, I, I have not thought about these games one bit. I've just said, uh, looking at it, with completely ignoring the line, which of these two teams is better? And yep. then picking the better team. Tonight, I think Denver's the better team. There is also a wonderful angle. Denver, for some reason, 8-1 and one, straight up and against the spread on Thursday nights. An incredible on the road lately in their division. 15-0 and 0 straight up in their division, the last 15 games on the road. Who knows why? Well, I'm now staying away from the Thursday night. I was leaning towards San Diego, but then I realized the more likely outcome is Mike McCoy getting, uh, getting canned. My first pick, and we're going to go quick because we're going to do NBA over-unders. Uh, we have to do the West this week. We did the East last week. We're going to do the West this week. And it's a preliminary. It's an appetizer. It's You don't know the over-unders yet. We're just going to sample them. We're going to dip chicken nuggets and blue cheese and barbecue mm. sauce and just oh. feel it out. Chicken so. tender in, in a cheesesteak nacho. I did that last week at the Nats game. Ooh. Go Nats, by the way. Game five tonight. I know. Good luck with that. I have the Ravens against the Giants in Giants Stadium. The Ravens are getting three and a half points. I actually think... The Ravens are both not a good team, and they're also not bad. They're in that nice little zone where they're they're competent. They hang around in the games. They're not good. I have no illusions of them winning the Super Bowl, but it's a professional football team. And I watched last week fairly carefully. They should have they should have uh, beaten your Washington Native Americans, and they didn't. They, they- the Deadskins that game. They did gifted it because Mosley did the interception. I don't blame him for reaching out, but if he does that, they probably win the game. If he does, if they just it's out of bounds at the one, and Perriman <laughs> caught the game-winning touchdown, and his right foot was out of bounds. I don't know how Washington won that game, and then the Ravens went and fired their offensive coordinator, which I always like. I feel like it's little little spark for the team because watching that Ravens offense, it didn't seem right. So, I don't know. And I also think the Giants are just not good. I don't think they're well coached. I have some serious concerns. I love having any underdog in Giants Stadium because they're so spotty there. And uh, I just like the spot for the Ravens. Do your second pick. I am speaking of the Deadskins. I feel like I owe it to the DMV to go against the Deadskins every week now while I'm on this stink streak. We have to ride the stink streak going against the Deadskins. Philadelphia minus two and a half. Eagles defense has been extremely impressive this year. I said the defense, not Mr. Wentz, who has been wonderful, but the defense has held all four of the opponents the Eagles have faced to season low yards thus far this season. And the Deadskins have continued, as we just observed, their streak of accepting gifts. They win when the other team gives them a wonderful gift. Failed fake field goal from Baltimore last week. The Deadskins with a punt return for a touchdown. I'm taking Philly, minus two and a half. They're here in in Washington. Washington has not been strong at home over the last five years or ten years or however long Daniel Snyder's been responsible for this awful franchise. So I'm taking the Philadelphia Eagles minus the two and a half. I like, well, I have it at three for the record. Oh, okay, sure. I'll, I'll take it at three as well. Okay. You always somehow seem to give yourself an extra half point miraculously on all, all these mistakes that you make. It, it, it's really made a big difference, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Maybe God doesn't like when you do that. 
You know, uh, I watched the Eagles last week come back against the Lions, win the game, and then Ryan Matthews fumbled, and then they lost the game. I and, and it was one of those games where they were down the whole time and nothing was going right, and they still rallied back and almost won. They, they might be pretty good. My second team, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm taking the Rams of Los Angeles, one of the worst coach teams in the league, with one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Uh, they're in Detroit. They're getting three and a half points. I think the Lions are just awful. I just think they're a terrible football team. Uh, I can't believe the Eagles didn't beat them. I think the Rams' defense can win this by themselves. And at the very least, I find it hard to believe that the Lions can beat any team with a good defense by more than three points. And if they do, God bless them. I'm taking the Rams. I have a a small quibble. I looked at I I like the Rams in this matchup as well. The reason I did not uh, make a play on them is because the line that I saw had dropped all the way to three, and in some quarters all the way down to two and a half. It's three and so a half. I laid off of it. It's three and a half. But if it's if it's three and a half, yeah. speaking of people giving themselves the extra half point, um, yeah. I just I looked. like the Rams as well. I'm I'm in agreement with you, but I'm not. That's not my third pick. What's your third I, pick? I do like the Rams though. My third pick. And I, I uh, gave a, a Twitter teaser on this last night. There is an incredible Andy Reid angle that I am uh, jumping all over. The Chiefs are now apparently a pick'em at Oakland, but Kansas City has a great, and in particular Andy Reid, a great uh, uh, record coming off a of bye week: 18 and three straight up, 15 and six uh, against the spread over their last 10 games. In this matchup, Kansas City against Oakland, when Kansas City is coming in off a loss, they are nine and one against the spread. That's a house nugget. And you, and they got killed in week four. They had a week to think about it. Uh, I have the line as Chiefs plus two. I looked at all the lines right before we did the thing. Wonderful, so. Chiefs plus two. Daddy loves that. So there's also and that's another wonderful angle. Oakland is a terrible uh, play as a favorite for whatever reason historically. And They've you been also have. In, well, I was going to say you also have the young team handling success. Uh, yeah, well, that always the, goes the, the thing I like, right in your wheelhouse, this is uh, uh, a Bill Simmons special. If we went to the Bill Simmons power rankings right now, Oakland now only has one single solid win. All the rest of their wins are, are 50-50 games, according to the Bill Simmons power rankings. Yeah, I, I feel like they had the San Diego game won, and then they gave up the touchdown. All of a sudden, San Diego's driving for the game-winning field goal. It was it was like a 55-45 game, but you're right. Every time they've had to pull it out of their butt, it's always close. And Lombardi was on before you, and he was pointing out how the Chiefs, this feels like the game where they just put together their 15-play drives, and the Raiders get dumb penalties. And um, I like this Raiders team. I still believe in them, but I think they need the the – the uh, bucket of water thrown at them a little bit, and yeah. uh, and I think a this is salt it. Peter. And I have let's, a little extra let's put a little treat. Salt Peter in there. I have a little extra treat for you. I'm joining you on the Chiefs. Let me hear it. Yeah, that's my third oh, pick. The Chiefs plus two. Um, I didn't even know that uh, Lombardi was going to pick it, but I like being on the same side as Lombardi. I don't know if he picked. Yeah, well, I guess he basically did pick them. Uh, all right, we're gonna do we're gonna do NBA over unders for the West. But before we do that, yeah. House, one time I saw you eat uh, how many chicken wings at the ground round that time? It was a pr- it was in the 60 range. It was either just south of 60 or just north of 60. It was all-you-can-eat chicken wings night at the ground round in Worcester, Massachusetts. I told you that, and you said, let's go there. I'm going to keep eating chicken wings until something terrible happens to me. 
And that's exactly what you did. Only it wasn't something terrible that happened to you. It was something that terrible that happened to the bathroom in our dorm. But, um, but at the time, we didn't have Buffalo Wild Wings in our life. Uh, oh. And now we have a place that specializes in great wings. A place that specializes in knowing that fans prefer the taste of glory on game day. The kind of glory that comes with 21 signature sauces and seasonings to choose from. Or great- I have to interrupt you. Well, hold on, let me I do. Inter- did you you get it, get through it? But I, I I mean I'm sitting here speechless. Please get through it. Or a great lineup of cold and refreshing beers on tap. You like cold and refreshing beers. Or a collection of wall to wall flat screens so big it makes your head spin. We cover all of these details here at Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't even work there. I just lump myself into it because this is making me hungry. So they add up to the kind of game day experience fans can appreciate. They do it because they appreciate fans. Win or lose, if you're a fan. You're still going to win having the best game day atmosphere. There is Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings Beer Sports. They do it for you because you're a football fan. Okay, now you can talk. I can't believe that Buffalo Wild Wings is a sponsor on this podcast. If, is, is it my birthday today? What <laughs> happened? You, you held out on me. You had I, no, I had no idea we were gonna, I was going to hear anything about the Buffalo Wild Wings. What do we have to? I can't wait to go sample some Buffalo Wild Wings. I mean, I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to. I'm going to social media. I love Buffalo Wild Wings. They're, here they are, our good friends. Taste of glory. I remember when they launched, and I don't remember when that was or when they became known. I remember you telling me about it, and you were telling me about it. I can't even describe the joy in your voice that there was just some place out there that actually made chicken wings and buffalo and all that stuff that was just in that in that genre. Because when we were in college, when we were in college, there were no genres. It was just restaurants that served a lot of stuff. I mean, you had like Papa Gino's and pizza places and things like that. But there was no place that was like we're owning the chicken wing space. And that's yeah, what wing expertise, wing experts. I'm so fired up. What's it? So is the ground round that's still your record? Sixty, sixty plus. Yeah, because I I didn't have any reason to really try and mess with that once I hit that level. I mean, I, I'm sure by now that's chump change. I mean, Danny Chow could probably eat 120. I wonder if you could eat more than that now. Maybe we should just go to a Buffalo Wild Wings and figure that out. That sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. Let's do that. You need to redeem yourself from that gross tacos thing we did. All right, the West over-unders. Here we go. You have not looked at these. You promised me you wouldn't. Deliberately not looked. Alphabetical order. The Dallas Mavericks. I'll have you guess each one. I'll just say the name you guess. Dallas Mavericks. What? What I and I have in front of me a list of their records from last year. So I'm I'm going to basically go uh, off of what I've heard um, has happened in the off season, what I know has transpired, no, they, and they, then what their record was last I year. I want you to go fast. I'm going to say Dallas. Okay, it's 39. Okay, it's 40. Go faster. This is our appetizer edition of the over unders. <laughs> we're doing we're blowing out the real one. We'll do either next week or the week after. Dallas is 40. Can Buffalo Wild Wings sponsor that too? Oh my God. I might you, eat some wings while we're doing it. I don't think you could eat as we did this. but So Dallas, right. what's interesting, and I didn't really realize this as we were doing the East last week, but the West is just deeper than the East is. And you have basically 11 teams in the West that have a chance to do well and win 45 games. I'm not saying it'll happen. Whereas in the East, you just go down the line, and it's like that Southeast division in the in the East, the, the team that your wizard, the division that your wizards are in. You might have like a forty and forty-two champion in the southeast. So, 
Yeah, I, I agree. It feels like the West has, uh, you know, 8 to 11 teams that can win between 38 and 46 games. Yeah. To- well, and more right? than that in some cases. But, yeah, I mean. Well, right, right. No, that's a different thing. Once you get past the Golden State Clippers, Spurs, Houston, and you go into that next class of Utah, Oklahoma City, Portland, Dallas, Minnesota, Denver, Memphis, those are all teams that it wouldn't shock me if they went 45 and 37. None of those. Even Minnesota and even Denver. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be blown away if that happened. So, um, so I'm impressed. You put Houston in that top tier and left Portland out. I did. You're going to make those people mad again. Man. They're always mad oh, at you. Oh, shit. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Don't come after me, Portland. I'm not ready. Uh, but no, I'm in on Portland this year because I like the Evan Turner signing. I think he's going to be good for them. Uh, Golden State. We both know the over-under for this already. It's 66 and a yeah. half. Yeah. Um, I'm going to save my thoughts for when we do the over-under podcast. Yeah, we expressed skepticism right when they announced it. We were both incredulous, but I have to confess, my I, feelings I, I may I have be the same. This is why I wanted to save it. They, I, I have the yeah, same confessions and desires. It, it comes down <laughs> to this. To lose that bet, the Warriors have to lose 16 times. So you just have to walk yourself through a scenario where 16 times over six months somebody beats them. When you start thinking about it that way, it seems less realistic. Houston, 44. Daddy, da- Daddy, got, burned. Daddy got burned on the Rockets last year. Daddy might want to put more money on the Rockets with my burned hands. Yeah, we're gonna. this is a double down. We're, this is get all the money back in one fell swoop. Uh, we we single handedly drove the James Harden MVP odds to like eight to one. I'd like to take credit for that because I had not seen that case made anywhere in a big splashy way. And is that true? Yeah, it's eight like to eight one to one. one. It dropped. It's oh, ten to one and eight 20. to one. I I got it at twenty, Daddy. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to wager on it. But oh yeah, you're not allowed. Now I'm back in on the LeBron MVP thing. I've talked myself into that angle. This is like the last. I'm gonna hedge that. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm I hedging think, with that. I think we have to Jedi mind trick LeBron and trying to win the MVP. I might write a column next week for the ringer just saying how LeBron will never win another MVP. And then just repeatedly put in his Twitter replies until he reads it. MJ won five MVPs. MJ won five MVPs. Kareem won five MVPs. Russell won five MVPs. Hey, LeBron, you only got four. Not quite good enough. Get in LeBron's ass. Not quite get as good as those ass. guys, LeBron. Got to get that fifth one. Or, or you're That's just not going to matter. The legacy of your legacy will be four MVPs, not five. Not going to matter. Not going to matter. It's absurd. It's so absurd. I love it. No, if I was on one of those talking head daily shows, I would be yeah. doing a big spiel about LeBron James can't coast now if you're chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. A fifth MVP is a good place to start, my friend. I'd be doing that. Well, all jokes, all jokes aside, there is a sentiment where he he deserves for what he did last season the MVP for this season. Could you see that happening? Yeah, except Curry was like unanimous. If he plays seventy, if he plays, you know, seventy games or so, and yeah. Cleveland rips off sixty wins, don't you think that that might be the narrative? Are you going to feel? Are you going to? F- I don't know what that. I can't figure out narratives anymore. Are you going to feel a sense of happiness at all for Nene when he actually looks pretty good on this Rockets team? You enjoyed Nene? No, 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 no. Okay. N- no, no I'm, I'm not. Because <laughs> Nene mailed in the last, the last two seasons. Okay. He, he showed up for fifty games. He barely practiced. He could have made a difference. He, he really. The, the uh, almost bullets finished at forty-one and forty-one last season, and and. Uh, 
he could have made a difference in getting them back to the playoffs, and he didn't. So I was always amazed when no Nene, wings for you, Nene. <laughs> no wings for today. I was always amazed when he mailed in the 2012 Olympics. I think when players mail in the Olympics, that's a special, <laughs> special breed of I don't give a shit. Rarified mail in. Uh, all right, Clippers are 54. Seems very fair. Huh. I, I yeah. need some time to chew on that one. I, I think there's a case to be made for them as the two seed, which I'm not going to make today. Sure. The Lakers. I don't love them as the two seed, but. Well, there's a, I said there's a case to be made. I'm not okay. necessarily on board with it. Uh, Memphis uh, Lakers are 25 and a half. Ooh. The oh. D'Angelo Russell cat is out of the Snapchat bag. I think people are honing in on him as as a, a big secondary leap guy. He was in a Byron Scott bag. Byron Scott had had him all bagged up. He had to put him in a big, you know, body bag, and yeah, then he and then he he he, he uh, didn't help his cause with the whole Nick Young thing. Is Nick Young and 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 uh, Iggy Azalea back together, or are they permanently broken up? I think it's over. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. I like Iggy. Yeah, I she's probably too good for Nick Young. Probably. You know, uh, the, the ESPN hired Byron Scott. I love when ESPN fires coaches <laughs> who were just literally, literally set back coaching like ten years and said stuff like they, they don't believe in three pointers. Well, they, he, right he was on the record last year saying, "In my day, we didn't care about the three point line, and that's the way it should be now." Or whatever the hell he said, that was ludicrous. All these three pointers are crazy. You can't win with three pointers. All the stuff he said that was insane. And now he's going to be on television analyzing basketball. I thought that was very exciting for all of us. I can't wait to see him get in arguments with Zach Lowe. My guess is Zach's such oh, a nice guy. He'll he'll he won't you know. I they're not going to have them sitting in the same. I hope they they're, do. They're, those... I really hope if there's a god, <laughs> Zach Lowe and Byron Scott will be on the jump together. Would be my dream. My word. Be great, Byron Scott. Like, look, three pointers are we overrated. Like, we like the Lakers. Although Byron Scott could do the whole case of three point, the Warriors didn't win the title. That's what I was saying. Oh no, he could do that. Oh, I'm no. excited for, but actually, great hire, Espan. Great hire. I'm excited for Byron Scott. It'll be good. Anytime you can get somebody who who really put together two of the worst back to back coaching performances of all time, all time, the Cleveland Cavs job he did, and then the Lakers job he just did. I can't even. The damage can't be calculated. Like, he almost ruined D'Angelo Russell's career, and D'Angelo Russell might be like a five time All Star. Anyway. There's still time, fortunately. I mean, I, it's tough to blame Byron Scott for, for that Kobe. I mean, that last season was the season of, you know, it was a megalomaniac season, and yeah. Byron Scott was the perfect uh, accomplice. Nice guy. Magic Johnson always spoke highly of him. Uh, terrible coach. Really, really, really bad. Memphis, 44. I, just the gut, my gut feeling is like if Parsons' knee isn't coming back, that seems like a logical under. If Gasol's foot, they have a lot of injury questions. 44 seems a little new coach. We've been saying this about Memphis every year. Yeah. Stay away. Too many injury questions. Miami. Oh, no, we did Miami. Milwaukee. No, we did Milwaukee. Minnesota. They're in that conference. What do you they're think of Minnesota West. is? What do you think it is? Just out of curiosity. They, they won 29 last year. I bet it's 40. I bet the Tibbs bounce and, and uh, KAT, how he showed out last year, my guess is 40 for Minnesota. 42 and a half. Ugh. So you have to bet 43? Yeah. I'm not doing that. That's too many. 
They might have. I two, like them. There might be two all stars in this team. N- n- not playing point guard, which is my issue. Townsend. Well, what about Chris Dunn? What if What if this is Chris Dunn's team by like December? What about him? Well, who knows? I don't know. What's I, his body of work? We'll see. Right. My fear with Minnesota is that they're this year's Milwaukee. Milwaukee got sunk by high expectations for a very young team. The difference is that Tibbs and Towns, that is a combo where you have a coach who's already a top five or top six coach and your best player actually gives a shit and works hard and cares about all the right things that stays on the court. Like when you have that as your foundation, it's pretty hard to go under 500. So they'll be in the mix. Formidable. Formidable combo. New Orleans, on the other hand. Beef. 36 and a half. Take the over. Uh, Tate likes the over? They love it. They uh, love Tate, it. Tate's, hey, Tate, how many, tell me how many games Anthony Davis is going to play this Tate, season. The over-under is, is 42. They put a list of all his energy, injuries that I retweeted, all the injuries he's had over like the last four years, and it was alarming. It's just, just alarming how, how many little aches and injuries and bumps and broken bone and all that stuff. Jesus. And... Well, it's, the problem is a lot of that stuff, it seemed like half that list would be things that other guys might play through. He might be one of those guys who can't play through stuff that, that experiences pain in the way that has him missing games because that was a missed game list. It wasn't just the injuries. It was, you know, games missed due to injury. Right. Let's save Davis because that's a whole other topic. But I, my guess is, I mean, he did have one of the best under 25 statistical seasons of all time two years ago. Has to be mentioned. I love him. I want yeah. him to succeed. Me too. I, they, you know, the league is better when he's playing. Me too. Well, all we're doing right now is figuring out what is a logical way to go on over-unders, and it just makes me nervous. Memphis and New Orleans, when you have all these injuries, it just injuries make me nervous. Oklahoma City has risen to 45. How many did they win that season? They only won 43 that season that Durant was out, right? 43 or was it 44? I think they paid, They played like 27 games with Adam and went 15 and 12 down the stretch. Yeah. When Westbrook was okay. doing his uh, 2006 Kobe impersonation. Yeah, whatever record that team ended up with, that's the record that I think this team is going to end up with. I need a, a little bit more time to marinate on it because there's things to there's talk a, yourself into with Oklahoma City. Yeah. With the Stash brothers yeah, playing together, sure. Old Depot. There's a case to be made. I don't know where the shooting's going to come from. I don't know where the perimeter defense is going to come from. You don't guards, know where the shooting's going to come from? Who guards? Isn't his, is, well, aren't his initials I mean, Russell Westbrook? I mean, the shooting that's going to go in. And ah. and who guards Paul George on this team? Who mm-hmm. guards uh, Kevin Durant? Who guards... I'm trying to think who else. Who who guards those six six to six eight guys that a lot of teams have who can score and play inside out? Uh, I think they're really going to miss Durant's defense, and and obviously and they're going to miss Ibaka's defense. But those are the, right. they lost I, their two of the three best defensive players. They're essentially giving away. They gave up 18 feet of wingspan defense, and you're putting a lot on on Robertson. Roberson, Robertson, Roberson. You're putting it on both of them. And both of them. He did not Rob have. And a, Robe. He did not have a good regular season and blossomed a little bit in the playoffs, which we've seen happen before. 
where a guy gives you the tantalizing rises to the occasion in the playoffs and then you don't see it again sometimes. And now he's in a position where every night he's going to have to guard the best guy on the other team. So there's some red flags. Uh, Phoenix. Yeesh. It looks like 29. Okay, let's just move on. I don't want to talk about Phoenix. 29 is the number? Okay. Yeah. A lot of young guys, a lot of trade possibilities. Could see them going in on a whole bunch of directions. Trading more people, trading for a veteran. I, Rudy Gay, Boogie Cousins, LaMarcus Aldridge, or it could go the other way. I don't know. You know, where they're trying to get rid of Bledsoe. I do think they need to trade Bledsoe or Brandon Knight because if I'm them, I would just want everything to revolve around Devin Booker. And that would be our destiny as a team. And let's just figure out how to get to that goal. I, if I lived in Phoenix, I would be mad at the franchise. Well, they have assets. They had something it's special not, three years ago. Yeah, they have assets, so they have stuff to work with. I like I like some of the pieces they have. The problem is it's a little like Philly where the pieces don't fit yet. And uh, unlike in Philly, at least the pieces play different positions. Portland is 45 and a half. Feels like right on the money. Yeah. Feels perfect. Yeah. I Always worries me a little bit when guys get paid. The first year after guys get paid. I'm not worried about it. Excuse me I a little bit. The, guys get paid. I love pe- the spirit. Buy a new house. Got new people in your life. Your uncle wants to open a car wash. You get a lot of that stuff going on. Takes your eye off the prize. Makes me worried. Sacramento, 32 and a half. That seems just ludicrous. <laughs> Why? Um, they have... Well, ludicrous in which direction? Uh... They they have no point guard in the team that is competent. Oh, okay, okay. You feel like that's too high. Yeah, well, I you know, when you're in the West and night after night you're playing good teams, you're playing two thirds of your schedule against good teams, there's you're gonna have the stronger teams and you're gonna have weaker teams. Like there's a bell curve. And at some point somebody's gotta be on the wrong end of the bell curve. And they, there's not enough teams in the West that are low bell curve teams. The win loss no, records have to even out. They they just love they have a wonderful spot at the at the wrong end of the bell curve. They win 33 games every year. That's what they're going to win again this year. Yeah. I don't know which way I feel yet, but it seems like low 30 seems like the right move for them. The Spurs are 57. Mm-hmm. They won 69 last year. They Duncan retired. They replaced him with Pau Gasol, who's just better at basketball at this point. God bless Tim Duncan, but you know, he was playing 60 games a year and 15 minutes a game last year and it was over. Guess I'll at least do that. They have another year with Aldridge under the fo- under the fold. It's more Kawhi's team now. I'm not exactly sure why this dropped 12 wins. I had them at 67 wins last year. Are we oh, sure 67. they didn't 67 and 15? Yeah, you're okay. right. So they dropped. Okay. So they dropped 10 wins. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm Seems gonna lean over because. I think they're the second best team in in the West, and I and and I don't think it's that. I don't even think it's close. I guess the catch would be if if Golden State has a eight game lead on them with a month to go, do they just pack it in? Who knows? The last one is Utah, which is forty seven. Oh, so it, it is that down a hair? It's I down. It was in the... It's down a hair when everybody realized how fucking ridiculous it would be that Utah was going to have an over under 49. Everybody looked at each other and goes, wait a second, what are we doing here? 
My my Twitter feed has a lot of warnings from Utah fans. Don't you dare. Don't you dare undersell what this Utah team is, is bringing to the table. It's a great case I to be made. A, they went 41 and well, I was going to say they went 41 and 41 last year and and had a shitload of injuries and they've added some No, they they and, went they went 40 and 42. They had the last game of the season. If they had won it, they would have gone and made it into the playoffs and they did not win it. Yeah, I watched um, that. I watched that game. 40 and 42, my bad. Yeah, they they I watched them lose a lot of what seemed to be winnable games in the last four minutes. And I couldn't tell if it was the coaching or the lack of the go-to guy or the lack of a competent point guard. They brought in George Hill, who I like. I'm not sure he's somebody that's going to add six wins to your total. Exum is back. Gobert's a year older. They got some vets. I don't know. Zach really likes them. I like Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson was uh, actually looked pretty good last night. I like that pickup. Okay. Uh, I don't have yeah, a feeling on this about yet. It. 47 just Me seems either. high, but it makes sense if you think of all the ads. And then the last one is, we forgot to do Philadelphia last week. <laughs> it's just like us. Philadelphia's 25. Feels right. That's it? That's all you got even, for 25 for Philadelphia? Well, with, what feels with, right with, about it? I, I think it feels wrong. If Ben Simmons if Ben Simmons had not gotten hurt, I would have liked the over. I would have pounded the over. It would have been a nice, you know, overplay. Uh, just because I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, there's some karma that they, that they deserve. Um, but the, the apparently not the basketball gods um, took, took one look at that, that karma – uh, meal and turn it into into poop. So um, twenty five is right on the number for Philly. That seems about right. What was your favorite of those uh, preliminary? What was your favorite of those over unders? Just having heard them for the first time. Uh, what am I? I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, I can't put this. We, we we've had a whole week of of people using profane terms to describe things in their lives. So I'm not going to be too profane, but yeah. I really like Houston. I'm going to do. I'm going to do something very special with Houston. <laughs> I like Golden State. You don't State. need to be profane about it. I've, I've almost 100% talked myself into that Golden State being the lock of the decade. Wow, the decade. Nah, I'd say, I, I didn't say I have to fully talk myself into it, but who's beating them 16 times? That's a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a strong – I tried last year to parlay Oklahoma City and Golden State, and then Oklahoma City in the second half of the season decided to give away several games in the second half of the fourth quarter. They had many winnable games. They should have won 60 games last year, so I was very mad at, at Oklahoma City, which colored my feelings in their play, on the playoffs. I'm going to parlay Houston and Golden State. I feel like that's another mm. – let's get Houston. Houston owes us after last season. I'll find out. There's a – Houston – Really burned us last year, and, and uh, it's tough to think about going back. What about Denver? Uh, do we do Denver? Oh, we didn't do Denver. We didn't do Denver? Yeah. I like that Denver team. Thanks, Me Tate. Too. What's the number? 37. Seems low. A lot Ooh, of athletes 37. on that team. A lot of, I like Jokic. Like some of the shooters. Moody Jokic, A second Jokic. season. How many other... Yeah, we can eat, can they get Mirotic? We, we, it'd be nice to have a lot of titches on that team. Jamal Murray's on that team. Itches. Will Barton, six underrated, six man of the year, put, you know, potential. Yeah, thirty-seven. Wilson Chandler didn't play a, a minute last year. What's terrible about the West versus the East is that in the East, Denver could potentially be like a four or five seed. 
They get to 42 wins in the East. In the West, they might not get to 35. It's brutal. Uh, thanks it's to. Difficult. I don't mind that. Thanks so much to Harvard Scholars at Risk on Saturday night, October 15th, Boston, Massachusetts. Jimmy Kimmel and I doing a live show at the Schubert Theater. All proceeds will benefit Scholars at Risk. Still a few tickets available. Go to citycenter.org or call 866-348-9738. If you're a student, tickets, only 24 bucks, and you can buy two per student. Come on, Boston colleges and Worcester, Massachusetts colleges. Don't forget about Any Given Wednesday. We're off this week. We return next week with six straight weeks of shows. Don't forget to check out TheRinger.com and our ongoing Mammoth NBA preview. Don't forget about our other eight podcast feeds on The Ringer Network, including the new Ringer University and Keeping It 1600, their last pregame, postgame debate show coming next week. See you in Boston this weekend. Thanks, House. Eat some wings for me. Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, my God. Anytime y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes. Picture me rolling.